Friends, we are in the second week of Lent, and we're going to continue in the book of John on our walk with Jesus through the growing darkness and this morning into a story of betrayal. I thought about inviting you all to post responses in the chat about what comes to mind when you hear the word betrayal, but then I realized it is likely to stir some really painful memories and we'd probably rather not post those in the chat. So instead, um, I'm gonna ask you just to take note for yourself of what comes to mind when you hear the word betrayal. Painful memories do surface for me, too many honestly. And even when I told my husband, John, what today's text focus on, the look on his face acknowledged the betrayal that is a part of my own story. I also recognize that some of us may be in a season that could be termed a dark night of the soul and possibly feeling betrayed even by God. And if not a prominent part of our own stories, we for sure hear stories of betrayal. Our history is full of them. Like the violation of treaties with Native Americans or Japanese internment camps. These are just a few examples that unfortunately come quickly to mind. And of course, The media and various forms of entertainment endlessly capture, feed off of, and profit from stories of betrayal. On a treadmill run this week through Slovenia, my trainer even told of the legend of Erasmus Luig, who was betrayed and killed while using the bathroom in his cave castle. And I found the story a bit intriguing. I also confess that one of my absolute favorite series is the Jason Bourne films. Some of you have come over to watch them with us, and you're welcome to do so if you have not. And I'm not sure why I'm drawn to these movies of betrayal. Maybe because they bear witness to people holding the line and resisting evil, or maybe because something Sometimes good can eventually arise out of this kind of suffering. But betrayal obviously isn't something we only see happening outside of ourselves. It is unfortunately part of our human experience. And whether the betrayal is intentional or unintentional, If it doesn't bring about death, it sure does sting and often will pierce us. Not only does betrayal expose us to danger in some way and violate trust, but it is often accompanied by broken, if not lost, relationships. Jesus experienced betrayal and he could see it coming. Back in Chapter 13 of John, verses 20 and 21, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, whoever receives one whom I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And after saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and declared, Very truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. 
Jesus understood that on some level, he would not be accepted. He would be betrayed. In that same chapter, in verse 38, he also foretold Peter's denial, another form of betrayal. These verses contain that repetitive, very truly I tell you statement that we focused on earlier in the first half of this series through the book of John. In these very truly I tell you statements, Jesus is putting to death what was once thought and making room for resurrection, this new kind of life rising out of the inherent human suffering. In these very truly I tell you statements, Jesus is uniquely declaring that God's new world is dawning. And that calls for repentance, to turn and to change our minds, our hearts, our lives, to change through all the ways that we perceive and navigate this world. While it's easy to want to see ourselves in the position of the one being betrayed, we just might need to put ourselves in the position of the one who betrays and to begin to see ourselves differently, to turn and change as we see God's new world dawning. Before we consider John chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, which is our text for today, I would like to remind us to pay attention to a couple of things. First of all, what happens in this text, these are the events of what we call the Passion Week, which seems really out of place at the moment because we've not yet arrived at Holy Week, that time period within the church year when we actually observe these events taking place. I also want to draw our attention to the lack of temptations in John's version of this story. There's no agony here in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's no sleepy disciples. There's no healing of the servant's ear. There is no hint that Jesus was tempted not to go through with the cross. Instead, we have in verse 11, Jesus acknowledging that he needs to drink of the cup. But maybe what is most striking to me in all of it, of this is that Jesus holds the line, resisting the people and the systems and structures out to oppress, harm, and even kill him. And he resists in the unique way of being grounded in his own identity. We're going to hear him say, I am. So I'd like to uh, to turn our attention to the text. But I would like us to remember that this chapter starts just after the prayer in chapter 17 that we looked at last week. The prayer that Jesus prays over the disciples. So that's where we're actually going to start. Um, I'd like to invite you, if you're not already comfortable, to just get comfortable and settle in uh, to your seat to take a moment and just find your breath, to notice it, don't try to change it. Pay attention to what happens in your body as you hear these words that Jesus prays over you. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you sent me. I made your name known to them. 
and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So these are the words that are fresh on our minds as we head into this story today of betrayal. If you happen to pick up your Bible or your Bible app at this point, I would ask that you maybe put it down, that you close it. I'm going to retell the events of chapter 18, just verses one through 11. In what is considered narratio divina, it's um, asking you to really place yourself in the scene by re-narrating the scene for you. So I'm gonna ask you as I re-narrate this to look around, to notice who is with you, to imagine God with you and to imagine being right next to Jesus, to pay attention to what you hear, what, what you might smell um, and what's happening in you. I wanna ask you to pay attention to any shifts in your thoughts, your feelings, your body as you imagine yourself with Jesus as I tell this story again from one of the disciples' point of view, okay? We disciples went out with Jesus crossing the Kidron Valley, which holds water during the rainy winter season, and into a garden. We entered this place with olive trees, the most benevolent giant weeds you'll have ever seen, ones that have fed us many times and provided respite from the sun on many a hot day. But on this cold night, we simply came to rest in the garden with Jesus. Our friend Judas wasn't with us, but he knew where the place was because Jesus often met with us disciples here in Jerusalem. After a while, we could hear people coming with lanterns and torches that shined in the dark, their weapons clanging with each step. My heart started pounding. Before we knew it, Judas arrived, having led a whole host of Roman troops together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They had come in response to the political actions of Jesus's triumphal entry and cleansing of the temple here in Jerusalem. They had been led to the garden by Judas, betrayer. There were more troops than we could count, and they were in our sacred safe, familiar garden. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, he came forward from among us and asked those men, whom are you looking for? They answered Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, ego emi, I am he. I couldn't believe my eyes. Judas was standing there with this band of soldiers. And then you should have seen it. At encountering God's word and wisdom in the flesh, as Jesus spoke the divine words, ego and me, I am he. 
they stepped back and they fell to the ground, their torches, their lanterns and weapons clanging this time as they struck the earth. Again, Jesus asked them, whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. It it was pretty clear they didn't know Jesus. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, then focus on me. Do the job that you came here to do, but let these men go. This was to fill the word that Jesus had prayed over us. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Simon Peter, remember the one who previously said that he would lay down his life for Jesus, but who would eventually deny Jesus was there. He was with us. And in a fit of rage, Peter drew the dagger he was carrying and he struck Malchus, the high priest's slave, cutting off his right ear. I just stood wide-eyed, stunned. The tension in the air was so thick and I felt paralyzed. Malchus cried out in pain, grabbing the side of his head, blood now rolling down his arm and pooling on the ground. The band of soldiers remained down, but their bodily movements suggested the internal struggle as to whether to return to their feet or not. Then Jesus moved forward toward Peter. Knowing what lied ahead and without condoning the use of force against these authorities, because frankly, he knew what would happen if we did, he said to Peter, put your dagger back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? At that, I watched Jesus be arrested and bound to be taken to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest who would later question him about us and his teaching. I watched as Simon, Peter, and another disciple who was known to the high priest followed Jesus and that band of soldiers out of the garden. They were going to the courtyard of the high priest. Some of us remained in the garden, unsure of what to do. I wanna invite you to take just a moment in silence and reflect on these questions. Where did you notice shifts in your thoughts or these feelings within your body? Where might you need to repent, to turn and change your mind, your heart, your life as you perceive and navigate the world in the days ahead? We're going to take just a moment for silence.
Jesus, as we have put ourselves in this story, standing next to you and bearing witness to this betrayal, we begin to grasp what it's like to be with you in this. Or maybe what it's like to be the one who has betrayed you. Lord God, have mercy on us. As we have heard this story today, might you show us your wisdom in the face of betrayal. Might you continue to show us how you have put to death what we once thought and continue to make room for a new kind of life rising out of human suffering. May we be attentive to your spirit guiding us now. Amen. In closing, I want us to consider Jesus's invitation to the way of wisdom that he as God's word and wisdom enfleshed shows us as he goes through betrayal. The way of wisdom says God's new world is dawning. Jesus's actions remind us that in the world as God intends it, life is never begotten out of violence. It wasn't in the beginning of the story at creation, and it's not now. Life comes through love, 